0: My name is Abhay Dandekar and I share conversations with talented and interesting individuals linked to the global Indian and South Asian community. It's informal and informative, adding insights to our evolving cultural expressions, where each person can proudly say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hi, everyone. On this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, a conversation with United States Congressman Sri Tanedar. Stay tuned. So in taking ownership of my background and who I am, where I was raised, and where I call home, and why I'm an active participant in my community and neighborhood, I'm really proud to call myself an Indian American. Sure, there are lots of other components and labels to my identity, but I do take a lot of pride and comfort in knowing that my own existence has been possible because of the ongoing success of the American experiment. And speaking of experimenting, thank you so much for listening to this and sharing it with your friends and family for rating, downloading, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and for following us on social media at Dr. Abhaidarnikar. Now, while there's much to grapple with as far as repairing and mending and dismantling, the American experiment and experience has largely been fueled and built on immigrant stories of resilience and self-determination, of seeking and finding opportunity, of persistence for success, and of dedication to a cause. And among these signature American stories is that of newly elected United States congressman, Sri Tanedar. Sri is originally from Belgavi in Maharashtra, India, where he grew up in a large, poor family, working long hours in many odd jobs to help make ends meet while still in school. He came to the U.S. to Ohio to get his Ph.D. in chemistry, working and then embarking on a career in entrepreneurship in Michigan. And like many immigrants, his story has been fascinating, heartbreaking, and with the many peaks and valleys of his own American journey, from sustaining financial hardships and poverty, to operating a successful business enterprise and creating hundreds of jobs, from personal and family tragedy as his first wife suffered from depression and ultimately took her own life, leaving Shri to raise his sons, to remarrying and savoring the joys of family life as a husband, father, and grandfather. By the way, if you have a chance, please read Sri's amazing memoir, both in Marathi as He Sri Ji Itcha and in English as The Blue Suitcase. Now, several years ago, Sri retired from his business activities and inspired by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. turned his attention to a life of public service, aiming to fight against social, racial, and economic injustice and create new ladders of opportunity for communities in Michigan. After an unsuccessful bid for governor in 2018, Shree was elected to the Michigan State House in 2020 and this past November was elected to the United States Congress as the Democratic representative of Michigan's 13th District, serving portions of Detroit and its suburbs. We talked about the road he's traveled, about his priorities and optimism as an elected leader, about how a district with a majority of Black voters were compelled by Shree's values and vision, but I first wanted to know whether he noted any real surprises or lessons while campaigning.
1: Well, this is an exciting time. Uh, you know, as you know, back in 2018, I ran for governor of right. uh, Michigan. And that was right after running a small businesses for 25 years. So I thought if I can run a successful business, I could run a state. Uh, and that's the reason why I decided to run for governor. And I did not win that election, even though more than 200,000 people chose me to be their governor. But then after that, I said, I'm not going to go back to business. Uh, There's a reason why I entered public service and that's to help people, help others achieve their American dream. Like I have been able to achieve mine. So I became a a state representative in the Michigan house for the last two years. And then when the congressional position opened up, uh, I felt uh, that this will allow me to serve even more people. I represent now 750,000 people in my district. And uh, so with that, I ran for this election. There were eight other candidates who ran against me. It was a very, very hard fought election. You know, I had to campaign all across the district it's a very diverse district yeah and uh, we succeeded uh, uh, barely we got about 28% of the votes and my opponent closest opponent got 23% and uh, you know i learned that uh, what matters is uh, people's trust mm-hmm. and the more i told them about who i am not only my successes but a lot of my failures and concerns and what what my passion about helping others, my struggles through uh, poverty growing up, the hardship I had when I lost uh, my first wife and mother to my children to uh, mental health related uh, illness. And the times when I raised my young uh, boys as a single father, sure. Uh, so so the more people knew about me the, and the hardship that I have overcome, the more uh, they felt trust in me, even though, you know, I look very different. Uh, this right. is a 60% African-American district. I look different. I spoke differently. I'm an immigrant, came from, when I was 24 years old from a country far away. And yet, the people trusted me. And that was, that meant a lot to me.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if the more your vulnerabilities and your transparency were obvious to them, that it became sort of a nice human connection
1: for more and more people as
0: they as they got to know you better.
1: That's right, yeah. You know, and there is not a lot of trust in the political process. Right. <laughs> uh, in yeah. fact, uh, the approval rating for congress is about 18 percent so you know people haven't had the trust in the political system you know many people have given up on the fact that this political system uh, can be equitable make a change and make a difference in their lives right and people are always looking for somebody they can trust that who was in it for a good reason and not to just enrich or be famous, but actually want to help people and make a difference in people's lives.
0: I I imagine that that in that same sentiment, the victory, especially given the backdrop of running for governor in public service as a state elected representative, and now the victory in Congress, it, it must have surely lifted a weight off your shoulders. But now there's the weight, of course, of executing and acting and really delivering on behalf of your constituents. Is that pivot now itself a challenge to now deliver? And is it is it the product perhaps of the same way that you've been able to garner your experiences in business and even in running a campaign?
1: Absolutely. Uh, now, I'm one member in a house of 435 uh, representatives from all over America. Uh, we have a two-party system. Currently, in the U.S. House, uh, the other party has won a narrow majority, so they control a lot of the processes. So, given that, uh, it's a challenge. Uh, it's a it's a it's a responsibility that I don't take it lightly. At the same time, uh, is there's a lot that needs to be done. You know, uh, our infrastructure is in bad shape, our education system uh, does not provide the same quality education uh, in my district, as some of the affluent suburbs have The affluent suburbs have so much better schooling system. Yeah. And that should not be the case. And uh, so there's a lot that needs to be done. And uh, I, I now I feel now that I'm got elected. I feel this tremendous responsibility to deliver, yeah, deliver for my district.
0: How did you, how did you feel on election day, when you secured the victory? With this same sense of responsibility, I imagine there was also a lot of pride and affirmation of all the hard work that you put in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was grateful to the people that supported me. Uh, I was grateful to my support of my family, my two sons. Uh, My wife is always uh, with me, supporting me, attending campaign events, Uh, even though she's not a political person. She supported me because this is something that I'm so passionate about. And when I got attacked, politically attacked, there was a lot of uh, outside money, dark money came into our elections and millions of dollars were spent supporting my opponent or opposing me. And there were a lot of negative television advertising. And uh, one of the advertisements where my son uh, made an appeal actually was um, something that people thought was very genuine. And that uh, really helped my campaign. So the support of my family, support of my staff and team and the support of people uh, sure. that even though we both, the people have, our experiences are different. We grew up differently. My, I have a different heritage and yet the trust that people showed across the district was, was amazing and uh, very humbling.
0: You know, they say that the first day your first day in office is your first day of your next campaign. I, I'm curious, and obviously that's a, a long ways away, but given the toxic nature of running a campaign and being in office and going through that very, very rigorous but incredibly arduous process, is there something to be said about uh, how to run a campaign and, and how to do so in, in a sort of clean and
1: not negative way? that you picked up in particular? Well, you know, what helped me was being myself, uh, going. You know, I would go to places where I could meet voters. So I would go to a free concert in a park where I would meet in a matter of three, four, five hours. I would go and have conversation as people are listening uh, to the concert on the lawns. and uh, people often would ask me, where is your entourage? Where is your staff? And right. I would have no staff. I would just go there alone and spend hours meeting people, listening to people. And uh, you know, people talked about uh, crime and how unsafe they feel as taking their children to school or going to grocery shopping, mm-hmm. how uh, the, the decades of racism and how that has affected how difficult it is to get a mortgage right. uh, or uh, own a home. So I heard a lot of things from people, one on one, having conversations. Some people wanted to take pictures and selfies, and some wanted to just talk, and some wanted to give just a hug. Yeah. Um, but the warmth that I felt, uh, the things that I heard, you know, that uh, made uh, my resolve to be in public service even stronger.
0: And, and I'm imagining that, that that resolve, that human connection probably makes it all worth it. And now in, in the delivery process, you mentioned trying to eradicate hunger and alleviate poverty and provide lead-free water, bolstering infrastructure that badly needs it. You know, in your business experience, in your experience in, in the Michigan House, what's been a secret in trying to prioritize these? Because there's just so much work to be done. And in Congress, where everything
1: seemingly is always a priority well growing up uh, in poverty what helped me most was education yeah and it is the quality of education making education affordable accessible not just four-year college not everybody wants to go to a four-year college but uh, making available the trade skills Mm. skills that people can use to Get high-paying jobs. Just you know, it, it's the education mm. uh, that we need to provide to our children. Uh, three, you you know, you mentioned you work with young children. Yeah, three-year-old, four-year-olds. They have such a tremendous power to absorb knowledge, and that is the time. Often, a single parent working, trying to take care of the family, is not able to take care of the children. Often, right and we need to you know give uh, our young children uh, skills in math and reading early in their life uh you know we need to invest in good quality education we need to make child care affordable so parents can work yeah we need to provide you know universal pre-k preschool so kids get good education paid family uh, leaves yeah yeah paid family leave. so Things that needs to be done to help working families and fighting for working families and, you know, the compassion yeah. and uh, the vision to uh, long-term vision. If we invest in our children now, uh, it will pay dividends. Not only it's a morally right thing to do, but even from a dollars and cents point of view, uh, you know, our economy will grow so much If we invest in trade education, if we make public education cost free, if we give our children early, you know, universal pre-K, early childhood education, there's a lot of things we could do in education as an investment, uh, you know, that will grow our economy multifold.
0: You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Congressman Sri Tarnedar. Stay tuned. Conversation, it's the antidote to apathy and the catalyst for relationships. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with global Indians and South Asians so everyone can say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. New episodes weekly, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, this is Cal Penn, I'm an actor, author, former public servant, and you're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation now with United States Congressman Sri Tarnadar. Even with that, prioritizing education and all the things that therefore blossom from that, sometimes even as we fight and advocate and promote these kinds of priorities, we don't always win and in the sense that there's where compromise is involved. How do you aim to handle reaching across the aisle and working through setbacks or losses and compromising? And and how do you hope your constituents will respond to sometimes not always winning?
1: Well, especially in a divided government, especially when we have two-party system, especially when my party is in minority, Yeah. Uh, You know uh, we cannot always make big bold uh, changes and we have to accept that and but we have to keep fighting and keep um, moving forward because just because we are in a minority is not enough of a reason for us to wait and do nothing that's not an option so we got to work with the other side we got to constantly find ways to find common ground, and and fight. And I want to make sure that my colleagues on the across the aisle understand uh, the issues that are faced in my district. Uh, they understand that it's not partisan politics. Uh, you know, education, making sure. sure no child goes sleeps and goes to bed hungry. Yeah. You know, having grown up, sometimes not knowing where my next meal is going to come from, I'm particularly sensitive to childhood hunger. I'm particularly sensitive to uh, homeless. There should Every person must have a roof over their head, be able to take care of their health care needs so that they don't have to be worried that if they come across a major health care issue, health issue, that they don't go bankrupt yeah and these are lifetime experiences you know i have there are times when i couldn't afford an apartment and i slept in public buildings i slept in my car so i've, I've dealt with this personally yeah. yeah and i see when i see an affluent country like ours where yeah. there are so many homeless people veterans uh, suffering mental illness not getting enough help uh, people living uh, uh, under the bridge, out without a home, uh, you know, that bothers me. And that's something that we need to change.
0: I imagine that your constituents will hopefully uh, see your energy and your transparency and all your vulnerabilities and your story, and, and that'll resonate with them as you continue to fight for this. Your, your story is, is so remarkable. And definitely from Belgavi and then your days as a student, the days you describe with so much resilience, certainly in India and then emigrating here, those formative experiences that you, that you talk about, um, the, I, the ways in which you can in fact relate to so many who are going through this kind of you know, strain or, or these kinds of painful experiences and turning them into success, how how will these formative experiences that you experienced as growing up or in india or even as a student here translate to the success and the resilience that's needed in congress
1: well again uh, my like my mother told me growing up uh, that uh, you never give up yeah. especially when things get hard you stay with your goals believe in yourself trust in yourself you know uh, self uh, respect and self confidence is essential uh, in getting things done mm. you need to believe in the cause that you're fighting uh, you always need to remember why are you doing this why are you in public service uh, what's your objective what's your goals and never depart from that you know constantly uh, focus on that there's a lot of distractions and uh, but it's important to remember the goals and important always to remember. Uh, and, and I always grade myself on different areas, uh, different goals that I have. I've set goals for my health. I've set goals for my family and relationship with my family. And I've set goals for public service. I've set goals for helping others. And I every month I rate myself like a hard teacher would do. Yeah, and I look at each of the areas and see how well I did, and where do I need to improve. And I'm constantly focused, keeping a balance in my life, and constantly focused on what's important.
0: I wanted to ask you this. I mean, it sounds like that kind of self awareness and that trust and that confidence can often be very infectious with your team, with those around you, and and definitely contributes to your leadership style. I. I imagine that for your leadership style, are there also cultural aspects of being an Indian American and the aspects of your journey as an immigrant that have contributed
1: to what your leadership style currently is? Yes, absolutely. First of all, you know, I look at this country and the greatness of this country in is in our diversity. Yeah. You know, this is a country of immigrants. Uh, people have come here from all over the world. So the greatness of America is in its diversity. And, uh, you know, uh, having struggled through life and dealt with uh, difficulties that I see others uh, are experiencing, that fight, uh, that never giving up is important because every person wants to do good for himself or herself. You know, people are not looking for handouts, people really want opportunity, people want the skills, so that they can, you know, get a good paying job or start a business, they need a little seed capital. So the government's role is to create an environment where people succeed. Yeah. You know, because people want to succeed, people want to work hard. But we need to ensure that we have a system that doesn't discriminate based on race or based on who you love or who you pray. Uh, yeah. It's a system that's fair and provides equal opportunity for all of us and you know closes this wealth gap. We you know today, uh, 60 families own more wealth than bottom half of Americans, 160 right. million of Americans. And this yeah. kind of disparity uh, is something that is um, a part of our system. And we need to close that wealth gap through creating business opportunities, on promoting entrepreneurship, giving skills to people. And that's what I want to work on. Do you, do you think your Indian
0: American background and backdrop as an immigrant, do you think that that magnifies your own experiences in being able to relate to that and, and in some ways recognize those issues a little bit more clearly, perhaps?
1: Uh, it's more about being an immigrant, having seen the world, uh, lived in different cultures, yeah. uh, met people of different background, uh, different religions, and different uh, uh, ethnicity, different, you know, so that kind of made having experienced that life experiences broadened my mind and broadened my horizon. It opened up to, uh, for example, the issues the LGBTQ faces, yeah. and, and you know, I, I became more sensitive to uh, the needs of uh, people and of different religions. I became more sensitive to people who have different lifestyles. To be, I became more accepting, and that more has to do with my own experiences in life yeah. and um, the struggles that I have and the people that I have met and who have influenced me you'll be the
0: fifth US congress member proudly of Indian origin and background i'm curious what you think this means to the greater indian american or south asian american community as as it goes forward and becomes an even
1: you know as it goes forward in in the general larger american community well you know look i came to america when I was 24 years old, primarily for economic empowerment, primarily to uh, pull my family out of poverty, uh, through business ownership, getting education. So many of the immigrants, including the Indian Americans, come here because of economic benefits, and nothing wrong with that. But then once we achieve those economic goals, at some point accumulating wealth beyond what your needs are uh, doesn't really make any sense mm-hmm. and we are part of this great nation uh, we call america yeah and uh, part of the success of america is not only the economic power of but also our social uh, power and it's important for immigrants to be part of this mainstream, Mm -hmm. not just becoming good professionals, we we have great doctors, we have great business people, we have, you know, great teachers, educators in the Indian American community, in the immigrant community. But at the same time, we need to get into the mainstream in the political process through government, we can change lives of people, we need to be more giving to the community. Like I, when I went across Michigan and I saw uh, people were deprived of um, the American dream because of racism. Yeah. People were deprived of the American dream because of economic disparities. Um, it is time for us to not just take from this country but also give to this country and give to the people of this great country. Uh, And that is uh, what I think uh, needs to happen even more. It's happening to some extent, but it needs to happen even more.
0: I wonder if that idea of being an immigrant, being an Indian American, being a South Asian American and giving, I wonder if that right now is really the kind of patriotism
1: that this country needs. Absolutely. And, you know, in my case, I felt that I owe that to this great country of ours. Yeah. You know? That's a debt that I owe for, for what this country has offered me. Sure. You know, I, I came uh, uh, with nothing. You know, I came, I grew up uh, you know, across the world. And yet this country, uh, you know, welcomed me, provided opportunities for me. And I felt that uh, it is my turn now to give back.
0: You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Congressman Shri Tarnedar. Stay tuned. Every story told is a lesson learned, and every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm a Dandekar, and I share conversations with global Indians and South Asians, so everyone can say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. New episodes weekly, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello, everyone. My name is Tim France, and you are listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation now with United States Congressman Shri Tanedar. As as someone who describes this so so beautifully and has written about it, you've lived through these experiences. You serve neighborhoods in the communities of Detroit, Michigan that as you mentioned are predominantly and culturally very, very rich in African-American and black American history. What has compelled African-American voters to connect and engage, and in some ways feel so resonant with your story with an Indian American, an immigrant, an entrepreneur. Why has this been so compelling? Why has your story been so compelling uh, in the black American community in Detroit?
1: Because, you know, the struggles, my struggles aren't different from their struggles. Now, I didn't experience racism as much as uh, many of my uh, African uh, brothers and sisters have. But when I first came to this country and I wanted to open a bank account and I went to a bank, this was 1979. And a bank officer told me, uh, she looked at me and she said, you know, they don't like people like me opening bank accounts in their bank. And later on, I wanted to start my own business and I needed a very small loan to buy some equipment. And uh, I went to six different banks made my case why I need this loan and why I would do good in business. And they turned it down. Mm. They turned six different banks turned my loan down without giving a reason. So I've seen this uh, access to capital, lack of access to capital, lack of access to education, good quality education, and how low-income neighborhoods suffer through that. And, uh, you know, I felt uh, a connection. And perhaps the people of uh, Detroit felt that connection with me.
0: You know... I so enjoyed uh, reading *He Shri Cha and also *The Blue Suitcase*. And, and there's a line in the book that I that really spoke to me that says, "Quote: Maybe there is freedom in starting with nothing." And and I was wondering about this. I, I I'm curious if this has been sort of a a mantra when problem solving, both personally and professionally, for you.
1: Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I had nothing to lose. Right. You know, I was at the bottom. And uh, the hard work, the dedication, and uh, not giving up. Uh, and just marching towards my goals, no matter how uh, difficult it is, no matter how many failures I have, I slip and fell and got myself got up and kept going and that's uh, the spirit you know that uh, ultimately helped me and that's the spirit that i see in my communities but it's the government job to provide those opportunities remove the obstacles whether it is the racial obstacles racial racism or hatred you know i think we have I feel there is no place for hate hate in America, and uh, we need to provide opportunity for people to live the life that they want to live, pray the God they want to pray, love the person they want to love, and we need to create opportunities regardless of the differences among us.
0: Almost, uh, you know, again, starting with nothing can be so liberating, and therefore, Mm -hmm try and, and fill some of the voids that, that we have. Now, you know, you spoke earlier about trust. And now as a leader for your constituents as a member of Congress, how do you hope to continue to, in some ways, cultivate that trust and grow it and nurture that trust? Not just with the constituents who voted for you, but to your colleagues and to those who, who may not necessarily agree with
1: with the things that you tend to stand for and it's, it's only through my work yeah. you know uh, only through my passion to serve and uh, my sincerity and uh, my uh, true intentions honest intentions only through my work and my dedication and my passion to serve that I can you know show and prove uh, who I am and why am I doing uh, why am I in public service? What what do I want to achieve? And what motivates me to get up every day and work for the people. And when people my colleagues see that, uh, you know, I, I make friends, I make uh, part become a part of a team to make things happen because ultimately, one representative one person cannot do things on his or her own. You know, I need to build a team of like-minded members of Congress to move a bill, to make a difference in people's lives. And that's what I do every day.
0: I know you recently went to Washington for some orientation as a newly elected Congress member. I'm curious what your reflections were from from those days. Uh, Was there a sense of history? Was there a sense of of real patriotic pride? Um, How did did those weeks uh, feel to you?
1: You know, I was in the in the well of the Congress, well of, well of uh, House of Representatives and uh, Nancy Pelosi, the legendary uh, Speaker of the House. Uh, we had a lot of time with her. Uh, we had one day uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi uh, uh, spontaneously said to us, uh, "Follow me." and as we followed her, she took us to the well of the House. And uh, she was like, maybe four feet away from me. And just a few of us there, it must be like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And she started telling about this great institution and people before us, uh, uh, the great uh, legends before us and monumental decisions and uh, bills that were passed in that house that changed people's lives forever. And listening to all of that, and now I am part of this group of people, and the responsibility and possibility of changing people's lives through the work that I would do in that chamber, uh, that was all very, very overwhelming. And uh, me, of all the people, the person who had nothing, uh, who was born so far away, uh, to be there in that role to make a difference for the people. Uh, it, I felt a tremendous sense of uh, gratitude to my district, the people who elected me, and I felt a tremendous sense of responsibility that I need to deliver, I need to make a difference. There are people in my district, in my hometown, waiting for me to deliver, and I need to work and provide that.
0: You're a father, you're a husband, a grandfather. What brings you joy and optimism as you embark on
1: on this term as a congressman? Well, just making a difference in people's lives, an opportunity to fight for them, an opportunity to impress upon my colleagues that there are a number of issues, problems that we can solve that aren't Republican problems. They aren't democratic issues. These are universal issues. These are American issues. These are issues uh, all of America needs. And we need to work together, come together and find common ground and make a difference in people's
0: lives. Well, Congressman Tanedar, thank you so much. We're so proud of all your achievements and are looking forward to so much more of your of your contributions. We really appreciate you coming on with us and hope we can chat with you again down the road.
1: Thank you, Abhay. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much, Congressman Tarnidar. My only request is to please help find a better name for the Jaipal, Krishnamurti, Bera, Tarnidar, and Kanna Group than the Samosa Caucus. Really anything, the Kabrdi Five, or DC dishao or maybe just JBKTK. Till next time, I'm a bhaidarnika.